Triple Play Fantasy's basketball show with Doc, Coach, and Brass Dadamas starts now. We welcome in a man who's covered basketball from different angles. He scored 6,623 points with seven franchises over his 13 seasons. Now he's a color analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans and co-host on Sirius XM Radio, also on the Beyond the Host podcast. The man who likes using the laughing emoji, even though he did not cop the Brett 11s. This man always has a fresh cut and shape up. Nobody looks better in a turtleneck than him, hence why there are fake Twitter accounts for it. We welcome in the recently verified Antonio Daniels. What's going on, my man? <laughs> Eric and Brand, how you guys doing, man? Hey, we're doing really well. As longtime Wiz fans, I can say that it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. How's everything going with you and your family? Oh, man, I'm blessed, man. I, I am truly blessed, um, especially with everything that's going on in this world right now with COVID and health and all these other things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to, to say my family's doing well. I'm doing well. I have zero complaints whatsoever. Well, AD, I, that, I'm glad to hear all that. And, you know, we are just interviewing you today. We want to talk about your career and as long time with his fans, we're mm-hmm. big fans of you. So I'm curious, you know, what was it like growing up in Columbus for you? And, you know, did sports feel like your key to success or was it something you just loved and grinded for? It was something I loved to grind it for. Um, me and my brother used to talk about it all the time as far as um, it would be great to to play in the NBA, you know, so we could get our mom out the inner city. You know, we grew up a block from the projects, Windsor Terrace. Um, so we used, to, we used to talk about it quite often, but um, it wasn't like a – we grinded at it. You know, right. and it was a dream. I think every child has a dream about something, no matter what that dream may be. Um, and our dream was to play in the NBA together. Obviously, February 8th, 1996, when my brother was taken away, that dream got cut short because we never got a chance to play in the NBA together. But I'm truly grateful and thankful that the Lord gave me an opportunity to continue that dream that we both had. And I want to start out with that early dream because – you grew up in Columbus, like we mentioned. You play your high school ball at St. Francis High School. And as a member of the Stallions, you got a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Your junior year, you were all district and all CCL selection. Your senior year, even more impressive. AP all second team in Ohio, first team all central district, and all CCL with averages of 21.3, 9.1, 4.8 rebounds per game. 2.5 steals. Got to include that while shooting 50. Oh, I used to lock up. Yeah, I used to, I used to sit down and lock up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. A, a little bit. Those steals definitely jump off the chart. So, I mean, you ultimately choose to stay local at Bowling Green. And the MAC isn't the, big, the biggest conference I ever wasn't. And I'm sure you right. had NBA, aspiration, NBA aspirations, as you mentioned. How come mm-hmm. you didn't want to go for a bigger school? Well, it, it's a funny story. And it's a, for, a story a lot of people don't know. So you were just talking about my junior year and my senior year. What is it in there is the fact that the last game of my junior year in high school, I broke my leg. So a lot of bigger schools were recruiting me at that time. And when I broke my leg, uh, you know, obviously at that time, I'm not sure how it looks now or what that's like now. But at that time, in between your junior year and senior year, summer was the most important summer. 
Yeah. So that's when a lot of the schools that were recruiting you, they would go see you play at different basketball camps and team camps and so on and so forth. Last game of my junior year in high school, um, I broke my leg, broke my tibia and fibula. So that summer for me was a dormant one. I didn't do much. I couldn't do much. You know, I was still trying to rehab, get myself back right, get the muscle back in my in my leg. Um, and a lot of big schools completely backed off. Like, I mean, they really backed off to the point. And that's where you first start to learn, okay, I, I'm, I'm starting to see the way this works. You know, for me, that kind of started at a young age. So a lot of the bigger schools, some of the biggie schools, um, they completely backed off. You know what schools stayed there through the entire process for me with Bowling Green? Through the entire process. So they remained loyal to me. So when the opportunity came for me to sign my letter of intent, even though when I started my senior year, I got up to a great start my senior year, almost averaging a triple-double. And all those schools that backed off end up coming back in the picture again. <laughs> but by that time, my loyalty was to Jim Laranega, Bowling Green, because they stayed loyal to me throughout the process. So staying local, two hours from Columbus, close to my mom, close to my sister's, um, close to my brother who was playing at the University of Dayton, that became a very, very easy decision for me. I love it. And the loyalty, I mean, just sells it right away. And I mean, right away at Bowling Green, you made an impact. You won MAC Freshman of the Year in 94 with averages of 12.5 points, four assists, and three rebounds. Your stats would improve each year. And your senior year, you really took off, averaging career high, 24 points per game, seven assists, three rebounds. Those two steals, you're still locking up at the college level. I was still sitting down on them. I was still sitting down on them. <laughs> and you won Mac Player of the Year, an AP honorable mention. At the time you left school, you were second in career points, second in assists, second in steals, and rightfully inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2007. So amazing job on that. So, A.D., you know, you, you've touched on your brother twice now. And, you know, you lost your brother your junior year of college. I can't imagine the stress and pain that puts on your mind and your body. What were you doing to cope with that loss? Because, you know, like Eric mentioned, you shot up your senior year. You had a big move in the draft boards and you kind of came out of nowhere in a lot of scouts eyes. Like, how are you dealing with that? How are you coping? You just answered the question. Honestly Oopin. speaking, you really just answered the question. Um, I, I tell people, like I've, I've never touched alcohol in my life. Um, never drank anything, never smoked anything. That's not my thing. Um, everybody see everybody obviously has their their vices or whatever but for me at that point in my life my, me and my brother were were like this yeah you know like that was the closest person in the world to me outside of my mom um was my role model was my inspiration obviously we were different he was six foot 11 250 pounds leading the nation in field goal percentage at the time and basketball really became my sanctuary you know, mm -hmm. I tell people constantly, if, if you understood the relationship that I have with that little orange ball with spotting written over on it, like I can't even put it into words. All that it is is given me, all that it has blessed me with, and all that it has gotten me through. You know, when my brother passed, um, about a week later, we were to play Eastern Michigan. Me and my brother rarely got a chance to see each other play because he was playing at the University of Dayton. I was right. playing at Bowling Green, so my mom was going back and forth between and watching. Um, and my brother really got a chance to see me play. And he was going to come to that game. And I, I can't express to you how excited I was to have an opportunity to see my brother 
watch me play live. Like he was going to come to Bowling Green and watch me play. Like I cannot believe this. And he passed February 8th, 1996. It was against Eastern Michigan, who at the time was in the top 25. Um, Earl Boykins, Derek Dial, um, mm-hmm. that Eastern Michigan team. And uh, the only reason that I played in that game so soon was because my brother was supposed to come to that game. And out of everything that I experienced throughout my basketball career, that is the most memorable game. After winning a championship at the NBA level, after um, winning small championships in high school and winning the MAC championship and and, uh, regular season championship at Bowling Green, that game right there was the most memorable game I have ever played in by a landslide. Like, it's not even close. Yesterday, I watched Steph Curry break the the record in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know, they beat Ray Allen. We won the NBA championship in Madison Square Garden for San Antonio's first championship. This game I played in versus Eastern Michigan, where my brother was supposed to be present and I hit the game-winning shot, is the one game in my career I will never forget. Wow. Wow. Are there highlights of that? I, I want to watch this game. I'm sure there are. I'm right, sure I, I've never, I've never, I never went back and, and looked them up um, because even watching it today, even at 46 years old, even though that would be what, 1996, 20 north of 21, 22 years later, I would still get emotional watching it no, because I, I still remember that day. I still I, remember that day. I still remember they're standing there during the national anthem and crying, thinking about my brother laying the ball in at the buzzer and beating Eastern Michigan and running straight to Coach Larinaga, who I have an incredible relationship with, Coach Stan Heath, who I have an incredible relationship with, and just balling. Because my, after every game, I will call my brother. After every single game, you know, hey, I had 12 points and six assists and so on and so forth. We lost today or we won today. You know, I asked me how you play. I think I play well. But at that moment, it actually hit me that no matter what, or how well I play, or how long my career is blessed to extend, I can never call my brother after my games again. And it was just difficult, and it hit me all at that moment. I, I'm really sorry to hear that, because, you know, being close with a brother of mine, I can't imagine. And, you know, mm-hmm. I love that you channeled it. You know, some people, they turn to drugs or alcohol, and you said, I'm putting it on the basketball court. And I think that's where we really saw right. that big jump. And, I mean, your stock couldn't have been higher, and you lived the dream that most of us did when you were selected fourth by the Grizzlies in the 1997 NBA draft. So, you know, you yeah, it's um, it's it's surreal. It, it, it honestly, it is surreal. And, and talking to um, other NBA scouts, they said they've never seen a um, a jump like that from my junior year to where I was my junior year to where I eventually ended up being my senior year. Um, and it's funny because when my senior year started, Coach Larinaga brought me into the office, his coaching office, and showed me where I was. So he was like, you know, at, at this time when the season first started, you know, on the draft board or on the top seniors, you know, you're 150th. And then every week or every other week, he would bring me back in. I go, okay, now you're 100. Now you're 75. Okay, you know, now you're 50. Now you moved into the second round. You know, now you moved in the mid-second round. Now you moved in the early second round. Now they have you as a late first-round pick. Till the end of the year, our last game against West Virginia, 
having one of my best games and remember the amount of scouts that were there. And that honestly, I think is the game that moved me into the top five. You know, I'm curious, you know, you're speaking a lot of how much, you know, Jim Laranaga meant to you, you know, when you got to the NBA, when did things click for you? Like who taught you the proper NBA mm. work ethic and lifestyle? Was it a coach? Was it a player? Was it both? How did that work out for you? You know, it's weird. I, I'm a firm believer in um, situations. You know, I think that certain guys, certain situations you're drafted to, even though they may look fantastic, aren't what's best for you at that time in your life or in your career. You see it all the time. You hear young players, oh, you know what? He just needs to change the scenery. And what does right. that mean? You know, sometimes you just get drafted to the wrong spot. And I'm, I'm not saying that for me. I think one of the worst things that happened for me was to go so high where there was so much expectation and be thrown straight to the fire. I'm a visual learner. I love to mm -hmm. sit back, watch, observe, and learn. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Vancouver, when you're a bad team, they needed immediate help right off the jump. So this was their third year in existence. They drafted Big Country, they drafted Sharif, and then they drafted me. Mm -hmm. If I would have had the opportunity to kind of sit back and learn that position at that level, because the thing that's difficult that people don't grasp the concept of is NBA in college. Right. It is not college. You know, in college where I could do what I want to do, when I wanted to do, I was... Uh, I could take plays off. I was more athletic than everybody else. I was more uh, active. When you get to the NBA, you just don't really understand, number one, the speed of the game, and two, how truly athletic and agile and good and skilled guys are. You know, and for me, it took going to San Antonio for it to kind of click for me. Because for San Antonio, that was a championship culture, and it had vets who had either won championships or were on their way to winning championships. So I learned so much from Avery Johnson, who took me to eat every single road game. So I learned how to be a vet. You know, Mario Ellie, who won championships with Cleveland. Steve Kerr, you know, who won championships with, with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and those guys. Playing with Tim Duncan, the best power forward to ever lace up a pair of tennis shoes. David Robinson. Jerome Kersey, Danny Ferry, Terry Porter, who played with Jerome Kersey in Portland with those, like the amount of vets that I was surrounded with at San Antonio to kind of learn what it meant, Sean Elliott, to learn what it meant to be a professional athlete. I think so often the first word is, is off. People forget about the first word. The first word is profession, you know, professional. People forget that. There is a there is a a code of conduct, a way to a standard to hold yourself to. And I learned a lot of that when I was in San Antonio under those guys, along with obviously Greg Popovich. Yeah, and I don't think you could have gone to a better situation, you know, Vancouver right. being a perennial lottery team and and like you said, an expansion team, and then going to somewhere like San Antonio where we see how they've built a powerhouse over the years. You helped them you know, be a key contributor to winning the 1999 championship. You have a couple seasons with the Blazers or with the one season with the Blazers, two with the Sonics before you go to DC, which is where you captured my fanhood. And the big three years with Gilbert, Antoine and Karan were probably my favorite as a fan. They were exciting to root for. Felt like we had a lot of promise to go far. However, we, ne we never made it out of the second round. What do you think was the missing piece or who was a person do you think the Wizards should have tried to go after? Because I do think that they were one <laughs> pace away from being contenders. 
okay, here's the thing. I, I have talked to Gilbert about this. I've talked to <laughs> Karan about this. I've talked to Twan about this. I've talked to Brendan, Jarvis, Etan. I, I don't think it was a matter of being a piece away. Mm -hmm. I think it was a matter of the system. Ah. And I'm not saying this and discrediting Coach Eddie Jordan because I love Eddie Jordan. But if you think of the Princeton offense and how complicated of an offense that is, that's the same offense that Jason Kidd and Kerry Kittles and um, Kenyon Martin and those guys ran with the New Jersey Nets at the time to get to the NBA Finals. You know what makes though that offense click is a pass-first point guard and also a big like a Chris Webber or a Vladdy Divac that you can play at the elbow that can pick you apart. That's yeah. not the way our team was constructed. That's not how yeah. our team was constructed. Like the, the the triangle offense looks great when you have Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and then you have Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. But then when you run that triangle offense with the New York Knicks, years later, it doesn't look the same. Right. You know what I mean? So, so some some of these offenses that are being ran are are personnel based. I thought we had so much talent. Gilbert Arenas, I'll say this: Gilbert Arenas is the most talented player I played with throughout my thirteen year career. His, his IQ is talented. crazy. His IQ yeah, like, is crazy. I, I, his skill set. So just think: I was blessed to play with Sharif, um, Sheed, Damon Stoudemire, Tim Duncan. David Robinson, Chris Paul, you know, you can go down the list on guys, Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis, on guys that I had the opportunity to play with. Gilbert Arenas is the most talented guy that I played with. Wow. That's how I talented that. that dude was. I love like that. so when yeah. I, I can't I can't acquiesce to, you know, you guys were a piece away. I didn't think we were a piece away. I didn't think the system fit the way that our roster was constructed. That's interesting. I, you know, what's funny is when I thought about this question, Seabweb was the guy that came to mind because good passing big man, someone that can clear out, sees the court well. But that's so. interesting that you say that because, you know, I listen to Gilbert's podcast and the way he talks about the game and the way he talks about teams now, he talks about it in terms of systems and assets rather that's in all, terms that's of all the NBA names. is, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it that's is. The NBA is, is, is situational. It's fit. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it does. It's not an indictment on the player or the coach. You look at the, the L.A. Lakers right now. You know, um, who's a better player, Russell Westbrook or Buddy Heald? Obviously, Russell Russ. Westbrook is the much better player. But who's a better fit in L.A. alongside right. LeBron James and Anthony Davis? It's Buddy Heald. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not about the skill set. It's not about the talent. It's not about the name. It's about the fit. No, I think that's a really good point. And, A.D., I just want to finish out on your – Pro career, you spend one year with the Hornets, you buy out with the Mavs, you eventually play your last season of pro ball with the 76ers, then a season with the Texas Legends. And now kind of touching on your career in the booth, um, you worked as a broadcaster and co-hosted a radio sports talk show on KZDC ESPN San Antonio, where you got an award for Radio Personality of the Year. You then go to Oklahoma City as an analyst for Thunder Live. Now you're a color analyst for the Pelicans, co-host on SiriusX. And radio co-host of the Locked On podcast. I mean, you just you got it all going on, right? No, I, I'll tell you this. Um, I have been blessed to be um, a speaker to other NBA players that have their thought process on life after basketball, and I tell them all the time: if someone is going to offer 
um, and they want to speak to you, whether it's through an interview, obviously time permitting, through an interview, through a podcast, um, and your thought may be, oh my gosh, you know what, like, this isn't big enough for me. You never know who's listening. You never know who's listening. That, that's the thing. I, I have learned that. You never know who's listening. So the way everything started for me, I have, I've had my own basketball camp now for 20 years. Every year in San Antonio, I go on and do the quote unquote rounds where I go around to all of the morning shows on TV, all of the afternoon shows and all of the shows, sports shows on radio. And I promote my basketball camp. You know, talk to the parents about what my camp entails and all this stuff. So after doing this one with ESPN San Antonio, I got a call like five minutes later. I said, hey, by any chance, would you be interested in doing a, a daily radio show? Like, well, you know what? I've never been into radio or media. I'm okay. I said, okay, well, this, it'll pay you this amount for doing 10 years, I mean, 10 hours of work per week. I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I did it. Somebody I did talks. that for a year. And then that opened the door because now Sirius XM heard that show. And then from Sirius XM came Thunder Live, where I was the pre and post for Thunder when they were really good with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, where they made it to the uh, – my first year there was when they lost – they were up 3-1. to one. Yeah, I guess Golden State and Steph Curry and those guys in the Western Conference Finals. And then from that, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans sees that. And then I go in for an interview there. And obviously I am where I am now. And then Sirius XM, as opposed to going on, you know, once or twice a, a week or so, now they've given me my own Sirius XM radio show with another co-host that's on every day. So, um, you know, when you guys start out and you say, you know what, you guys are really, uh, how are you doing? You know, and when I say I'm blessed, like that's an that's an understatement. The doors that the Lord continues to open for me, um, I'm undeserving of, but I honestly feel like he won't send me somewhere he has to prepare me to to excel. We're talking with Antonio Daniels, who after after hearing that just makes me want to run through a wall and go up and try and block a seven footer. Antonio, I certainly want to be respectful of your time. We like to get our guests out of here with a little tri triple play rapid fire, some this or that questions. Okay. They're not all basketball related. You probably haven't been asked some of these before you game. Oh, of course. All right. So the first question, the favorite wait, jersey. Wait, before you even start, before you start, do I have to answer them quick or do I get to think You can about think. It? You can think if you oh, want. Okay. All right. All right. The favorite jersey you wore, and this is just by the color, the Grizzlies teal, the Sonics green, the Sonics gold, or wait for it, the Wizards gold with the black pants. <laughs> okay, the Wizards go with the black pants is out. I know, that was a joke. That <laughs> was a joke. Out. That was ugly. That was yes, ugly. We're not even, that's not even, no, we won't even go there. Now, if you were saying one of the worst jerseys that you've worn and you yeah. wanted to throw that <laughs> in there. Okay. Um, man. Honestly, right now, in 2021, I would say the Sonics. And you know how I say the Sonics is because they don't exist anymore. That's true. You can see a Grizzlies jersey in Memphis. You know, they've had Vancouver Knights in Memphis where you see that whole thing. You will not see a Seattle Supersonics jersey. So I would say the Sonics. Ah, that's a good one. So the next one. That was a good one. <laughs> stranded in Antarctica or stranded in the desert? Man, I'm going to die either way. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, but you yeah, know, in the desert, looking at it. In, the, in the desert, you uh, might see mirages. It might start it, freaking you out. Isn't Antarctica a desert in its own right? It's it's like a winter desert, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I would say neither, but I would much rather be hot than cold. Okay. I, I'm with you Honestly on that speaking, also. I would much rather be hot than cold. Like, I'm just talking about just in life in general. Like, sometimes my wife is like, oh, you know what? Let's let's go here. Like, no, let's go to a beach. I'm with you know it. What I mean? I'm with it. I would much rather be hot than cold. All right. I, I, we're two for two on the same answers. What's your, okay. fav- what's your favorite breakfast cereal? Honestly, I don't eat breakfast anymore. I, wow. I, and I, I know that sounds like, oh, here we go. But I, you know, I, I can't tell you the last time I actually had. Okay. Does it have, how about what's your favorite cereal? Because what's I do eat cereal? in the evening sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Lucky cereal. Charms. Oh, Lucky okay. Charms. All right. Can't go wrong with that. It's not yeah, my choice. Lucky I, I like it. I like it. What determines okay, wait, if it's a- Well, y'all got to answer the same question, though. It's a, Hall- it's a Halloween cereal. It's called Count Chocolate. It's like chocolate. It's like kind of like a-, a- Ew! You did not just say that. I don't even I don't even eat cereal. If I eat cereal at all, it's like oatmeal. Hot cereal. Ugh. Okay, that chocolate. makes sense, too. Count Chocolate is Count Chocolate, because they had three of them. They had yeah. a Frankenberry. They had a Frankenberry and, and Booberry. A, a pink one. Yeah, a Booberry. Couch, yuck. But okay, moving on. But <laughs> All right, I'm oh, sorry. I dis- it only took 25 minutes for me to disappoint you in this it. interview. That's it. <laughs> All right, what, what determines if it's a turtleneck night? Mm. Now? Yeah, I saw there's or a the much past. better record. Well, both, I saw, both, both answers. Yeah, I, I saw it. it's like five and two when you wear the turtleneck, two and 16 without it. I saw there's some level of superstition, but like, for sure, you just if you feeling it or not, like, what, what kind of no, for me, like, I've always done this, I've always worn a turtleneck with a suit, like, I've done this forever. Um, I did this when I was in OKC, I did it as a child. I actually have a picture now of me as a child in a, in a, a, a suit where I look like a, um, I don't know, like an 80s pimp with a, okay. with a right. yellow um, turtleneck. But now, as I started to do it this year, there was a point where the Pelicans were five and two when I was wearing it. Now they're six and five. You know what I mean? And I, we got, we got, now do I just time. do it. No, yeah, you can. Six and okay. five, you have to understand when you're six and five and you're almost, you're last in a Western Conference, <laughs> six and five is a pretty good record. Right, right. You know what I mean? So when All you right. start working percentages into this whole thing, so now I just do it. I just enjoy doing it. The fans, it was something to bring New Orleans fans together. Um, something different to talk about as opposed to how much this team was struggling at the time or, you know, Zion not being there and all the other kind of things that were going on. So it was something that was uh, like optimistic to put a smile on people's face. And the fans really embraced it. Like going I to games it. now, the amount of fans, whether in New Orleans or elsewhere, that are actually wearing turtlenecks is, is awesome to me. They, Pelicans should do it as a promo night, to be honest. They have talked about it. All right, I love they it. They have All definitely right. talked about go. it. We discussed go. it. All right, we, we got a lot. We got the last four here, and these these are going to be some okay. tougher ones. Would you rather talk to your past or your future self? Well, if I talk to my past, would it correct my future? No, you just or like kind of you just get to have that conversation. Just like, maybe hey, give yourself a little wisdom you wish you had. Yeah. See, I don't know. I'm a firm believer that um, God has a plan and everything is supposed to happen that way. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so if I talk to my past self, um, of course, there's some decisions I would like to change about things that I've done, things that have happened in my life, but also know that it's God's will. Um, and if there was any advice I would give myself in the past, it would be how to how to deal with what's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as a as a brother losing my brother, as a father uh, with my three children, as a husband, um, I don't. What can I possibly say to my future self? You know it's a mean? good question. It's a good don't, question. Don't, don't get old. That's the only thing I could think of. That exactly. If I here's the thing, I, I want to get old because <laughs> I, it, getting old for me is a blessing because yeah, I've seen the other true. side. If you're not getting old, that means you're really not growing. Okay. So I don't. I guess if I had the choice, I would say my past self because I don't know what I can possibly say to my future self. I love that I like you're that. thinking about these. You're not just rapid firing. All right. Oh yeah. Got the, to. The, la- the last three are going to be a little more fun. Go a month without watching basketball in any capacity or not get a haircut for three months. Because I know you stay fresh with the fade and shape up. Either or? Yep. Okay, when you say not get a haircut, does that mean I could I could get like shaped up though? Nope. No. Nope. So Clippers can't cut my hair. They can't Clipper, touch my hair Clippers at all? Can't, your hair doesn't get touched for three months. Or go what? A month? A month without basketball in any capacity. Oh, can't easy. Watch, I'll can't go play. a month. I'll go a month because you know why? Because if you put me in J- July, I can go the month of July. Okay, that's fair. All right. I can if, go the what month if of it July was, without. What if it was three and three basketball? months? Three and three months. Uh, that, that, that's the diff. Now, now you're raising the stakes. That changes. The <laughs> but if you give me one month, if you get, think about it, there's always, after the NBA ends in the second week of June, if you told me I had to go from the second week of June to the second week of July without watching basketball, I, easily I could. Because there's no basketball that's there. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll take there. that one. All right, you're I'll take smart. That one. All right, this one I want to hear your answer. Fight like Mike, or fight Mike Tyson once, or talk like him the rest of your life, and keep in mind where your profession is now. Okay, when you say fight, what are we referring <laughs> to? You got to get in the ring with him. Oh, okay. Like, well, I, I love boxing. I love boxing. Boxing is my second favorite sport. I started boxing 15 years ago to keep the, to kind of stay in shape for basketball. Mike Tyson's a different animal. I, yeah. You know what? I think going in the ring with him, um, I can somewhat determine the outcome and when I want to quit and how much <laughs> punishment that I've taken. So I can cut that off. You know, I get hit once and I don't like it. I can drop. All right, man, the fight's over. Right, you know, right. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a great punch. I'm going to go ahead and hang it up. But at least I get to keep my voice for the rest of my life. That's Fair. true. That's true. You got a good voice. All right. The last one, and I saved the best for last. Would you rather pull the ultimate prank on Gilbert Arenas and he can't get you back? Or you cross up AI live on TV and get your revenge? He did. I, I'm talking about live on TV where it goes viral. You, you got to, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I'm not. The whole viral thing ain't ain't a. I'm almost fifty years old, man. Yeah. I'm not tripping on that. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm. I, I wouldn't. I would. Number one, if I if I cross AI up now, it wouldn't be much good because we're two fifty year olds almost. So I'm not sure how viral that would possibly go. 
I am not, I'm not a prankster. You know what I mean? I can sit back and laugh mm -hmm. at, at, you know, someone else's pranks. You know, Gilbert had a ton that's of them yeah. to laugh at, but I can't, I, I'm not, I'm, that's not my, pranking someone like that's not my, my, my DNA. So if I had to take it, I guess if I had to make a choice, I would, I would guess it would be the AI one just because I'm not a, I'm not a pranking, I'm not a prankster type guy. Oh man, I was expecting, oh, I should have put that one earlier in the interview. I like the answer though. I like the answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get asked about that. I get asked about that all the time. And the thing that I explain to people is if you are blessed to play in the NBA long enough with the talent, the speed, the athleticism, the agility, it's a given that you will get embarrassed. Yeah, you're going to get dunked on or crossed up. If you up. talk to him, it's AB, a given. You're going to get your shot blocked, you know what I mean? Something. You're being, you're being humble right now. I'll just say I do remember that game and – he fell about like maybe five or six possessions right afterwards after that crossover. So you, you got him back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and I, yeah, and I missed don't the talk shot. About I got it. fouled, but they didn't call it. That's beside the point. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Beside the point. But, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, um, but when people like ask any NBA player and if they tell you they've never been embarrassed, their career wasn't very long. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. If you are blessed to play a long enough career getting embarrassed think of some of the greatest players that have ever played this game i guarantee you can go back and look at a time where they got that's a given I, I watched steph curry sit chris paul down chris paul is one of the top five point guards in the history of this league you know yep. top 10 point guards so it, it's going to happen like that's a part of you know whether or not people outside of the nba you know i'm gonna tell you who's never who i've never um caught flat from about that you know who i've never caught flack from about that who a never nba player yeah you so know it's funny right like that him. yeah right right so that like anytime you hear something it's always from a fan or someone that wasn't in that position i've never from another nba player caught flack for that you know why because they can relate to it yeah i mean it's kind of like an appreciation of like, hey, we're at this level, like we're playing with the most talented people. These fans that are you know on what it is that, that are in the stands here, they wouldn't even be able to sniff the court. But Antonio, we really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us before we get out of here. Anything you want to plug where they can find you on the socials, where they can find your podcast. Uh, my 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 social is a Daniels 33. Um, I love interacting with uh, fans and people on Twitter kind of going back and forth with them when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, Locked on podcast. I do that as, as much as I, as much as I possibly can. My, my Sirius XM show was on daily um, Sirius XM NBA radio from 12 to three central standard time. Um, and, you know, obviously calling every Pelican game. So Again, I am truly blessed, and I thank you guys for the time, man. You guys were yeah. awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, we, we appreciate that. Make sure you follow him. He only has 18,000 followers. we got to get that number up more, especially now that he's 